Hey, welcome to the Covenant Courses podcast. This is Weston Brown, and right now we are in a study called Missional Essentials. And in each episode, I'm interviewing one of the authors of the book, Missional Essentials, Brad Briscoe, and we're talking about each chapter in each episode. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Today we are getting into chapter six, and we're going to be talking about the concept of Christendom, and specifically uh, living in our world today, which is what many people think of as a post-Christendom age. So what in the world does that mean? Uh, Let's get into today's conversation, and we will talk about just that. Here in chapter six, you talk about uh, the concept of the, uh, I guess, the historical concept of Christendom. When when I hear the word Christendom, I think of, for some reason, like the medieval period. I, I think of like uh, knights and the Crusades and and all that kind of stuff. What is Christendom? Why is that something you guys bring up here in Missional Essentials? Why is it why is it important that it be something that we're aware of? Yeah, so I think first off, uh, we need to just get a handle on where our our primarily uh, our primary understanding of the church today. Uh, what it, what are the historical influences on that? And there there's more than one, but one incredibly significant influence on the way we understand ecclesiology or the form and function of church today goes all the way back to 312 A.D. Um, and really, a little bit of background on that for those that know a little bit of church history. You know, the church uh, was experienced great persecution from the Roman Empire um, from from its founding. And the thing about the persecution uh, of the the early church was it it was uh, regional at times. So it wasn't always empire wide. It was like in different pockets. And so it kind of came in waves depending on who the emperor was. Well, probably the absolute uh, most uh, the really the worst emperor was a guy by the name of Diocletian. And Diocletian, he wanted to eradicate Christianity. And so it was empire-wide, and it was uh, it was just very evil. He, re- he just wanted to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. Well, at, in uh, the emperor right after Diocletian was a guy named Constantine. And when he became the emperor of the Roman Empire in 312 AD, he passed a law or an edict that's called the Edict of Milan. And it ended religious persecution, which was, of course, a great thing. It just like instantly uh, it ended religious persecution on the early church. Well, sometimes we'll say that uh, Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. That's not perfectly correct because it wasn't really until the next Roman emperor whose name was Theodosius. It was really Theodosius that made the the Christianity the official religion. Well, that fundamentally changed everything. It fundamentally changed our missiology and it changed, I would say it changed our ecclesiology. So think about like this, the church went from being this very radical, subversive, really illegal movement of Jesus people to instantly, when it became the official religion of the Roman Empire, was put into a place of great power and privilege. So at one point, the dominant seat of culture or the prevailing seat of culture was the Roman Empire. And Christianity was this little marginalized sect that was really relegated to the margins. But the interesting thing about that is before the Edict of Milan, 
the the church we know from Paul's letters and we know from early church history the church was having major significant inroads into the dominant seat of culture i mean it was influencing the roman empire empire in this very subversive way but then all of a sudden when it became the official religion of the empire it was put into a place of power and privilege and i would say what happened so it was good that religious persecution ended but what was bad is that the church then was just flooded with power and prestige and money and influence. And it really was wedded together with the power of the Roman Empire. And it, that was a bad thing um, because we operated in a very different way. And then it, and it fundamentally changed the, our, the way we thought of mission and ecclesiology in a real simple way to say that, um, is that if everyone was a Christian— and, and they were now kind of, quote unquote, a Christian, then we no longer uh, needed to think about evangelism or mission. What we need to do is just take care of the people that were in the church. So one of the ways it changed is those that were more apostolic or prophetic or evangelistic were no longer needed in the church. The, the church then not only did it have all this power and prestige, but the church was formed by, uh, really shaped by and led by the shepherd teacher. And I would say today, um, we still in a, well, for many years, we lived in a, uh, a time of Christendom where the church became the dominant seat of culture. And the reason all of this, very long answer here, Weston, but the reason all of this is so important for us today is we don't live there anymore. You know, we, we hear people use the language of post-Christendom and post simply means after. But I would argue that somewhere in the 21st century, the the Christendom, uh, where the church really had home field advantage, started to crumble. And now we don't live there anymore. But but a lot of people in the church or some people in the church think that we do, that the church still people are looking to the church for answers. And the church is still the primary influence of our culture. And we just don't live there anymore. The people in the culture don't see it that way. So the last thing I'll say is I just until we fully understand how the different that Christendom influenced the way we we thought of church, but 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 we don't live in that same context anymore. That that if we don't fully grasp how radically different our context is today, I like to say we are incapable of making the necessary changes. So in other words, if we think we still live in a time of Christendom, um, we, we think all we have to do is tweak things like we just need to have a new church name or a new sign or a new worship leader or maybe a new mm -hmm. pastor and everything will be OK. But I'll say, no, we no longer live in that time. So we actually need to consider much deeper, more radical changes in the way we think of the church. And, and bottom line is we need to go back and think more like the early church before the Edict of Milan and the church was the official religion of the Roman Empire. And we need to become more of a Jesus following subversive movement if we really want to influence the culture or the context in which we find ourselves. So do you think it's a, a generally positive thing that we are in a post-Christendom age? Yeah, I would say many people in the church think it's a negative thing and they want to go back to when yeah. we were in a, a place of power and privilege. And I'd say, no, it's actually a positive thing because instead of operating from that place of privilege, we are once again forced to operate or take on the posture of a servant. 
So in simple terms, it's like, no, we, we are forced to actually follow the ways of Jesus. Now we can't, we can't operate up here in a place of power, but instead we have to take the posture of a servant. And I think that's a very good thing. And, and we can actually have great influence on the dominant seat of culture, just like the early church did. And, and I, yeah, so yes. So so I think it's actually a good thing. Although some people would say it's not. Yeah. I've read a couple of books recently that have touched on some of what you're what you're talking about. And I mean, the big the big question I have is, well, so what how do we function in this in this somewhat new world that we may not have a lot of context for or experience with if we've grown up in in a church environment that has been rooted in some on some level in this Christendom mode? how do we adapt to this new world? And a couple of books I've read recently have have really, pr- the primary solution or answer that they've provided to that question has just been uh, true biblical community, which I think is what you're getting at, like kind of getting back to the nature of the the earliest version of the church, which is so rooted in community. It's so rooted in place. Um, it is not event centric um or as we've language we've used in previous episodes attractional um what advice would you have though for a church that is for for a community of believers that is in agreement with you and would say yes we we see that we are we are now in sort of this post christendom age what are what are some things that we should be thinking about or moving towards or talking about as a community in order to to more fully embrace our our new sort of place in the world? Well, I want to echo that what you just said. First off, we have to live life out as a communal expression of the body of Christ that is appealing to people. So we're not trying to attract them to the programs and activities of the church, but we're living in a way that's subversive it's counterintuitive but it's attractive so we're not trying to attract people to our meetings but 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 we ought to be an attractive community right we ought to live in such a way that people say i find that appealing i want to know more but then in addition to that i would say we just we like never before we have to empower all of the body of christ to engage outside the walls of the church so, you know, we have this little phrase that, you know, people like to use a lot that the priesthood of all believers, but I don't think we really live that out. I mean, if we really believe in the priesthood of all believers, then we need to empower all the saints to engage in God's redemptive purpose outside the walls of the church. And that means in their neighborhood, in their workplaces, in social spaces, they hang out. And once again, we just haven't done that very good because we, we you know, I said earlier that uh, Christendom was a huge influence And then we talked in an earlier episode, another huge influence has been the church growth movement. And as we said before, Weston, you and I talked about, there were a lot of positive, good things that came out of the church growth movement. But the bad thing is we created this understanding of the nature and essence of the church that was very Sunday centric. It was about the gathering and and we need to invite people to our programs and activities of the church. But instead, in a post-Christendom context, Instead of trying to attract people to what we're doing, we need to equip and empower people and send them back out into the places where people live, work, and play. So I think it's those two things. Yeah, we we want to live in community in such a way that it's attractive to people, but we need to help everyone in our church think and act like a missionary in the places God has already sent them. 
So it seems to me, if we are followers of Jesus who are sent out into our world as missionary people, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, that one of the most critical things for us to understand is the place where we have been sent. And not only in like the most practical terms, like this is the place, but but what is the place like? Like, what is the culture of the place? And having an understanding of the church itself and, and, and the space that the church occupies in today's world is also of critical importance. And so I hope that today's conversation has been helpful to you in maybe just getting a little bit of a sense of something that many of us have even seen some change around in our own lifetimes um, because it's happened fairly quickly. Um, so I, I hope that that's helpful to you. Uh, join us next time, and we're going to continue down this road of talking about what our life in this world as Jesus' ambassadors looks like. And we're going to talk more about sustainability because it can seem at times like we're just we're just adding more things to our plate, just more stuff we have to do. So how do we regroup and refresh and um, find a place of sustainability as Jesus' people? Join us then. 